Almighty God, Father, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Grant to us, Lord, steadfastness in your word. Protect us from temptation. Defend us from our enemies. Bestow on your church the means of grace to grow. Give us your saving peace through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, Kathy, thank you for your reading of God's Word this morning. Uh, Galatians 4, we've been in a series on Galatians. Uh, We're going to look at verses 21 through 31. We'll not be able to cover all details of this passage. Um, But the key question is in verse 21. So I'm going to go very straightforward here this morning, very straight ahead, play it straight. Two questions are going to frame the sermon. What's the passage about, and how does it apply to our lives? (laughs) So there there it is. Pretty simple. Okay, so what is the passage about? Verse 21. So you want to be under God's law? Are you listening to God's law? (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) That's the question, verse 21. You want to be back under God's law? Legalism is defined. Jesus plus this makes you okay. Jesus plus this makes you okay. Legalism. Legalism's a heresy. Be careful of it. Jesus plus. Now, the Galatians were being told that they did not have very much spiritual capital. All right? Now, we might be familiar with the term cultural capital. Cultural capital might be like uh, going to a prestigious college, you know, uh, maybe Yale or Harvard. So you have, you have cultural capital. If you went to a podunk community college in North Dakota, you don't have any cultural capital. Does that make sense? So the Galatians were being told, you don't have a lot of, you don't have a lot of spiritual capital. This is coming not from Paul, but from the Judaizers. You're really not all that in Jesus. Now, this might be a little unusual for us to think, but this is really a big deal in the Bible. You may not drive around Oahu and think, am I really a child of Abraham? I don't know if you ever that dawns on you or not, but in the Bible, who you are related to is very, very important. It's much more important than sort of American, Western thought. We're kind of individualistic. Our families are important. Family trees are interesting. You might uh, really like that, but... Uh, unless we are like royalty, British royalty, oh my God, right? I mean, we just get along with our lives. We're not that too, so concerned about who we're related to so much, right? Who's in, our, who's in our family tree? Well, imagine being told that really the, the true Christians are, should be concerned about being true sons and daughters of Abraham, Now, when the Apostle Paul, we are first introduced to him as Saul of Tarsus, and when he is acting as a religious zealot, he's all over this ancestry stuff and all over this 
my family tree brings me righteousness or my Pharisee party brings me something or my and all his keeping of traditions and laws he thought was really working something for him until he got knocked off his donkey on the road to Damascus. And then he called it the stuff that horses leave on trails. How about that? So, Paul says, <laughs> Paul, an expert in the law, says in verse 21, okay then, let's help you listen to the law. And this is the key point for Christians. It really is a problem today. Christians don't listen to the law. If they did, they wouldn't be so confident in their own righteousness. They would be much more teachable, less defensive, much more convinced that they are crushed under God's law. You see, if we listened to God's law, we'd really get it. You see, that's what a police officer does when you're driving 65 in a 25 mile an hour zone. They want to help you listen to the law. It's a little conversation. It's not much of a conversation. It's kind of a one-way conversation after you give the, you know, your license and insurance. But so, you know, it's a conversation about the value of the law and your relationship to the law. So it goes like this. So Paul, now, as a master weaver of biblical truth, he's going to weave a fabric. He's going to move into Genesis 16 and pull out themes and ideas. And he's going to move into Isaiah 54 for a little bit and then move back to the Galatians. Masterful. Masterful. All right. You want to listen to the law? Here we go. And it starts with a story. Abraham had two sons. Ishmael and Isaac. And they were born, uh, Ishmael to Hagar and Isaac to Sarah. So he begins to now paint a picture theologically of what it's like to be under law, human effort, and what it's like to be under promise. That's, that's all you really, it'll get complicated, but that's really all you have to kind of get right now. Hagar was Sarah's slave, kind of uncomfortable language for us. It's like, whoa, this ancient world, some free people, lots of slaves. She bore Ishmael from Abraham, and Sarah bore Isaac. And Paul, in verse 23, sums up his argument essentially by saying, the son of the slave woman was born the ordinary way. And the son of the free woman was born as a result of promise. Now, this story was likely used by the teachers, the false teachers in Galatia, who would say, you are not really children of Abraham unless you keep the law. So Paul turns the tables on the false teachers, saying that Abraham had two sons, there are two ways to relate to God. Paul is saying the moment anyone believes, they become a child of Abraham. Ishmael and Hagar, this is kind of strange. 
This is difficult. You can read biblical commentaries. Nathaniel did some paper in seminary on this. We should have him preach at this point because he's the expert. Here we go. This strange, suddenly Paul starts talking about Sinai and Jerusalem. Right? Suddenly Sinai and Jerusalem come up. And he, Paul begins to say that they represent, you see, by and large, people who have not accepted Christ and are thus in slavery Slavery is a theme in chapters 3 and 4 of Galatians, and works righteousness is right alongside the term slavery. And then there's a statement about the Jerus- that the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. All right? And the heavenly Jerusalem above is the kingdom of all who believe. See? So down here on earth... Everyone is grinding it out in slavery. Everyone is under the rules and regulations of life. Do this and you will improve your life. Dozens and dozens of kind of mild self-help books. That's kind of a religion. Then you have sort of religions that actually prescribe things to do. So down here on earth we are under commands. Commands. In heaven there's freedom. All right. So this whole thing is a symbolic illustration of grace and works. So, why is this a good story? Well, Abraham was promised a son. He didn't have one when God was conversing with him. He was old. His wife Sarah was old. And Abraham could have waited to have a son by promise and be patient. He could have chosen to live by promise or have faith in his own ability. And he chose the other. He had a son through Hagar. It was a poor, even tragic decision for his family because Sarah would become jealous of Hagar, and this led to all kinds of family strife. And the point, these two sons represent two ways to relate to God. Are you listening to the law? If you are listening to the law, you will realize you are in continual spiritual slavery, just as Hagar was in literal slavery. This is why, in our service, in some way or another, we should have law. If you hear the Ten Commandments, in our our prayer confession, there should be a standard stated there. Why? Because we have to wake up to our need for the cross. If you don't have law pressing in upon you, then you don't need a savior. If you have just sort of general principles and uh, you know keys to this dynamic life or whatever is taught, if you have all these kind of things, then well, it's just you can. There's no need for to sing about Jesus or to even believe in Jesus. If it's just a self-help program, this is why the law has to thunder. Has to thunder. So we say, well, then, I can't do that. You're listening. You're listening. I can't do that. Yes. Good answer. This is why many Christians are sort of stagnant in their growth. Grace is good, but it's not that amazing. It's a, there's a vague idea of grace. The cross is somewhat fuzzy. It's sort 
so you're sort of a, you could be a church attending, sort of a law keeping moral person. Listen carefully. Church attending, kind of a law keeping, you're sort of sure that you're okay, moral person. You are just as enslaved as a pagan who is bowing down to an idol. A church attending, trusting in their morality, you are bowing down, as I said last week, you may be bowing down to yourself. You are dogged by a sense of guilt and inadequacy. If you're somewhat honest, you can't keep your own standards. Or you are, on the other end of the spectrum, you feel quite superior. You hide yourself from your own inconsistencies, and you certainly hide yourself from God's law, but you sort of feel superior. So the false teachers are spiritually descended from the slave woman, the Gentile, the outcast. Do you catch the irony here? They're the ones who are saying, we have the the DNA credentials. We're on the inside. We're the true sons of Abraham. But you're acting like a slave. You're actually like Hagar, the one who's outside the Gentile, the outcast. This is, is well, this is a theological body slam, as you know. This is pretty, pretty amazing. Very subtle. Their DNA says that they are related to Abraham, but their spiritual status says they are like Gentiles enslaved. So concluding here, so brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Paul is expressing the love of God for Christians who are being fooled. It's the love of God from heaven. It's a, it's a, a love letter. Don't give away your freedom. Don't give away your freedom. All that Christ purchased for you, oh, friends, you Gentiles are the real sons of Isaac. This is to the the Gentiles. You're the real sons of Isaac by sheer faith alone. And do not let these false teachers lord it over you. You are the true sons, and they are the sons of, of Hagar. If you believe the gospel, you are free, and they are slaves. Don't give up your freedom. Now, how should we interpret this for our lives today? All right. That's the, that's the gist of 21 through 31, pretty much. Didn't cover everything. Okay. So, Sarah, we remember, is the old woman, and she is barren. She's not fertile. She's unable to be. Listen to that. Unable to be. Unable to be what she longed to be. To be a source of life to be comforted by the laughter of her own child. She cannot be what she wants to be. Doesn't that sound like a person who's awakened to their, to their true need, right? Doesn't that sound like a person who's awakened to their true purpose in life? It sounds like a, a person who's becoming human again. They're, they're awake. They're, they're awake to what they ought to be. Have you ever read Augustine's Confessions? He's a, he's a man in, controlled by lust all, so much of his early life and 
It's like he's coming, he's coming alive. I, I have all these false things, false loves. Sarah is barren. Hmm. Anybody here barren? Living in a place where you can't, you can never attain, you can never be, you can never be what you would like to be. Maybe someone here has had many prideful attempts. You've refused to accept the impossibilities. So you, uh, you feel prideful and you have now come today to realize all my prideful attempts to be, to make my life work for myself. I am now finally being honest. All my status seeking, I, I get it. it. It, it hasn't worked. I cannot be enough. The Galatians were being beaten up by false teachers. You are not enough. This can give you true status. Some of you today, the internal message is I'm not enough. The evidence feels overwhelming, it feels impossible to surmount the evidence. Some of you are just honest and tired of some self-improvement project. You know that's not going to work. Might help on the short term. And I want to call you to warm yourself at the fire of God's love for you. Let me say this gently. Of course you're barren. Of course you're not able to be what you're called to be. Before God's law, you are to love it all. You are to respond in love to God as the highest supreme, the one who owns you, the one who redeems you. We're to give him, we're to be a lover of God. It's right here we say, I, it, it, at this point I say, well, it can't be enough, just this presto change faith. How can that be enough? Brothers and sisters, the gospel tells us in the word of God, faith alone is enough. Take the cup and take the bread this morning and hold up these elements and say to yourself, my faith is enough. I cannot be what I need to be in and of myself. I am barren. All my flaws, all my impurities, all my rebellious acts. And what I have is I have the beautiful life of Jesus to cover me. He makes me fruitful. My own efforts could not do this. Jesus associates with the barren. Verse 27. The barren are called to rejoice. Why? Because Jesus goes to the cross for them. He's willing to become abandoned. The object of scorn. The one who is pointed to. And he has said in so many ways. You are not enough. And he takes that, takes that scorn on the cross. And he identifies with us.
And he covers us with his beautiful life, his perfect obedience, his willingness to come close to those who cannot be enough and to give you every, every aspect, every part of him to cover you and to make you a child of his. So let's go back to the original question that I'm done. Verse 21, do you listen to God's law? The answer is no. Don't kid, let's not kid ourselves. I don't. I need new ears to hear. In and of myself, I would go my merry way. In and of myself, I would say, of course I do. In and of myself, I would say, sure. And I would begin to compare myself with my neighbor, compare myself with some other standard where I look good. The answer is, of course I do not. Romans 3.10 tells us that there is none who understands. Now, now we're really in a corner, aren't we? Romans 10 tells us that faith comes how? Comes by hearing. God, in his mercy, gives us ears to hear and to admit, of course I don't. But I need to hear the words of my Savior who says, come to me. I will cover you, you who are barren. The means of grace is the preaching of God's word. And God blesses this preaching, not because of the minister, but because he has ordained this as a means of grace to bring the gift of faith. And this faith pierces through this world that is lost in slavery. Blessed are your ears, Jesus told his disciples, for they hear. And blessed are your eyes, for they see. For truly I say to you, the prophets long ago longed to see the things that you see and to hear the things that you hear. I want to tell you and assure you, hearing alone by faith is enough to cover all that you cannot be. Hold in your hands the elements. Ask God for spiritual strength to believe. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the sheer, simple truth that faith alone connects us with a marvelous Savior. Father, lift up those who are wallowing in self-pity. Father, humble the prideful. Of course, Lord, we don't listen to you. Forgive us and give us the gift of faith. Thank you for Jesus who did listen to you. In the name of Christ we come. Amen.